Uh, my sixth word tonight is, it is finished. And I want to give it a title, uh, Triumph in the Finish. Triumph in the Finish. Brothers and sisters, we live in a world uh, where we often find our self-worth uh, is defined and determined by how we meet the expectations of others. Uh, we feel better about ourselves when other people can look at the things that we've done and the things that we've accomplished and give us accolades. Uh, but I've learned, brothers and sisters, that sometimes we must quiet all of the outside voices uh, that tell us that we are failures because we do not meet the world's standards. Well, what do you mean? If you're the person that got married late, uh, if you... Uh, okay. If you're the person that got married later on in life and were being called a spinster or a bachelor because you waited till your 40s to find love, uh, you are not a failure or less than. Maybe you purchased your first house late into uh, your 40s when all of your other friends were buying their first properties in their 20s. Uh, you are not a failure. Maybe you went to junior college before you went to a university. It make, doesn't make you less than. Maybe you didn't finish your degree when the rest of your friends finish your degree. Sometimes life happens, marriage happens, kids come sooner than what we think, uh, but you went back sometime later and finished. Brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say to you that sometimes the triumph is in the finish. The triumph is not necessarily when we finish or how we finish. Sometimes the triumph is just getting to the finish line, getting to the end, when all the things that came at you in life tried to prevent you from completing your goals or completing what you were called to do. If you allow me to use my imagination, I would like to suggest that things weren't much different for our Savior. Even though he spent his lifetime, uh, particularly his ministries, healing the sick, even though he raised the dead, even though he fed the hungry, even though he made the blind to see and the lame to walk, even though he taught relentlessly, even though he made the ostracized feel like they belong, he converted the tax collector, he uh, introduced the woman at the well to a life of evangelism, he clarified what it meant to be a part of the kingdom, he raised the standards for what it meant to be a believer, he he modeled the life that he wanted us to follow. He showed us what love and action looked like. But for the world around him, it wasn't good enough because he didn't overthrow the Roman government. He didn't come to wage war with the world. He didn't drive out the temple leaders. He was rejected in his hometown. He was poor. He was unassuming. And by the end of it all, he was virtually alone. But this is, I believe that as Jesus hung there on the cross, what the people saw was defeat. What the people saw was failure. Uh, what the people saw was nothing what they had interpreted the prophecies to mean. Uh, they were uh, dejected. They were sad. There were tears at the cross. Uh, 
there were people that didn't understand how uh, the supposed self-proclaimed son of God could find himself in such a compromising position. For all intents and purposes, he didn't come to do what they thought that he came to do. He didn't complete his mission. But you and I know, brothers and sisters, uh, that the cross wasn't a sign of defeat. Uh, in fact, brothers and sisters, the cross was a sign of victory uh, because what they didn't know, the cross uh, was Jesus's victory over death. The cross was the entry to his reunion with the Father. The cross for us meant forgiveness and access to life everlasting. Brothers and sisters, the cross was his finish line. When Jesus hung on that cross and he proclaimed from the cross, it is finished, what others saw as failure, he proclaimed as victory. It is finished. I've done what you've called me to do, Father. It is finished. They know what love looks like. It is finished. They're reconnected to you. It is finished. Death doesn't have a say anymore. It is finished. Sin's hold on us is finished. It is finished. The job is done. I've come to do what you called me to do, Father. And even though the world around me doesn't appreciate it, it is finished. While he hung on the cross, Jesus, word made flesh, had accomplished everything that he needed to do. Having taken the full weight of humanity's sin, he's given himself fully. He's achieved the end for which he was sent. Jesus has triumphed. His work is complete. These words, it is finished, are his earthly Feel well. But this is my encouragement for you tonight. Is that even though challenges come, even though that thing that you've been called to doesn't feel like it's happening the way it's supposed to happen, even though it seems like the people around you are running the race at a different pace than you are running, and you feel like the tortoise trying to catch up with the hare. What you've been called to is done because the triumph, the victory, is in the finish. It is finished. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Uh, my title for the seventh word is, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I don't know about you, but one of the best feelings there is for me is coming home after a hard day's work. Whether the day was productive or stressful, um, it's something about walking into my house, uh, my daughter hearing the door open, and she's screaming from wherever she's at, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy's home. And she runs to me and gives me a hug. 
walking into my living room and seeing my teenager uh, having a conversation that I don't want to hear um, because for some reason all teenagers these days just use FaceTime. I don't know why nobody talks on the phone anymore. It's this FaceTime. I wish Apple had not invented that actually. Or it is the look that I get from Brandy reminding me that I had promised that I would cook dinner that night, uh, but maybe my meeting ran late and it took me longer to get home. There's just something about being home, brothers and sisters. Kicking my shoes off at the door, sitting on the couch, looking at my refrigerator, grabbing an ice-cold Red Bull. Uh, some of you all thought I was going to say beer. No, I have a, have a Red Bull thing. Ice-cold Red Bull. What I also realized is that coming home is even better when I've done what I set out to do. Uh, when I can say that at least for now uh, that my work is done, I had a productive day at the office, I got my sermon done early, my meetings went well, I did everything that I planned on doing when I left the day, because now when I get to come home, I can completely relax, I can hold my baby girl, we can watch a movie together, and I don't have that anxiety that comes with that unfinished business looming over my head. You know that feeling when you are ready to just crash, but you know you still have stuff to do. It's something about going home when your work is finished. And I want to ask you, brothers and sisters, what is that place for you? What is that place where your soul goes to rest? What is that place where you go to refresh? What is that place where you go to recalibrate? What is that place where you go at the end of the day uh, where everybody knows your name, you know, maybe it's Cheers, you know, you go sit at the bar and you say, hey, Norm, what is that place? I believe, brothers and sisters, that this seventh and final word is really Jesus offering us an invitation to do what he is about to do. Uh, he has just proclaimed that his work is finished. And like I said before, he healed the sick and he found the lost and he had done everything that he set out to do. <laughs> now, he was returning to his father. Tired, depleted, physically wounded from the work. He completely surrenders himself in this last act when he says, Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. And visually I imagine it being like that moment when you walk into a place exhausted and you don't have the energy to stand and you just collapse into a loved one's arms. And so it's Jesus hung from the cross, I can imagine it as he cried out to the Father, Father, I, into your hands I commit my spirit, that he was literally visualizing himself collapsing into the arms of God as he returned to his divine place and glory that he had left to pursue this mission. The sad thing about it is that the people who were standing there only saw the darkness they only saw Jesus' body go limp. Uh, maybe they were afraid and scared because of the roaring thunder of the veil being torn. 
And in the midst of the darkness, people missed the invitation. The invitation that says when things seem like they are at their worst, maybe the answer isn't more. The maybe answer is to rest. Uh, maybe the answer isn't more. Maybe the answer is to surrender our plans, surrender our weary bodies so that we can recharge from the work, so that we can be prepared for the work to come. Because, brothers and sisters, we know that the cross was not the end, it was the beginning. The work of the gospel uh, was just getting started. And even though in this moment Jesus was putting his spirit into the hands of the Father, because we know that he is coming again, because we know that he was coming back and he was challenging us and calling us to make disciples of the nation, this respite that he found when he put himself into the hands of the Father was just for a brief moment of recharge. What is the thing that I gather from aspect of the text there, brothers and sisters, is that I believe that too many times when we are faced with challenges, that when we are faced with darkness, when we are faced with uncertainty, we too often respond by doing more. We too often respond by being busy and beginning to grasp at straws, trying to figure out how to make our way out of the darkness, when instead we should accept the invitation that Jesus makes on the cross and submit ourselves to the Father. Brothers and sisters, what would it mean that if we could trust uh, in the submission, if we could trust in the rest, if we could trust in the Sabbath that Jesus tries to call us to, instead of trusting in our own power and our own plans, what would it mean for us, like Christ, with his last breath, to put ourselves in the arms of the Father. When we feel like we have nothing left to offer, when we feel like there's nothing left to give, when we feel like there's no way to simply say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Hmm. It's an invitation that we too many times pass up. It's an invitation too many times that we fight against because we live in a world that is inundated with busyness, inundated with more. And even though we find ourselves at our wits' end, it even seems as though that that's not good enough. And here we are looking at our Lord and Savior, who has literally saved the world as he stands on the cross giving himself over to the Father. So what does Jesus say with his last words that he has on earth to us? What does he do? He points us to the Father. He throws himself into the arms of the Father, and then he lets go. In this sixth word, Jesus, Jesus triumphs. Now he enters into heaven, received by his Father, who lovingly welcomes us all into his kingdom. After asking God to forgive us because we knew not what we do. After inviting the criminal into paradise. After making provisions for his earthly mother and his disciples. 
after crying out for feeling forsaken, after in the midst of his divinity and humanity crying out in thirst, proclaiming triumph, Jesus now gives himself over to the Father. Jesus points us to the Father so that we can, too, throw ourselves into his arms, surrendering to him, knowing he loves us and will not lead us astray. And when we place ourselves in God's arms, we'll share in the joy that Jesus felt upon his reunion with the Father. When we place ourselves in God's arms, we'll be close to him and share in the joy that Jesus felt upon his return. Father, into your hand I commit my spirit. Can we trust in the Father so much that we can commit ourselves into his loving arms? Amen.